Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, if you'll turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. I have a word that I want to share with everybody, but I want to, uh, in particular, I want to honor our veterans and those who have served our country and the people here. So we're grateful for everybody, but we just want, we want to give special honor to those who've been uh, the men and women of service today. Thank you for what you've done. When it comes to that, no sacrifice is too big or too small. Can you just turn me down just a little bit, please? Um, and I feel like there's something the Lord has revealed to me in taking this time to prepare a message specifically to honor you, but also to bring to light, I believe, something that's a truth that we all need to hear today. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Let's read here in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. And then, um, again, I welcome you always to share your amens with me. Uh, you want the preacher to preach a little bit more? Just throw a few more amens out there. That encourages me big time. Amen. Okay, Amen. good, good, good. Okay, Joshua 1.9. I'm not careful about that. I know what I want. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We want to thank our servicemen and women today for their courage. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, that we are privileged today to be every one of us called to be good soldiers. Every one of us, Lord, have been uh, drafted, as it were, into the in our dear Savior's service. Father, we're under the banner of the cross, and all of us know that our lives are living sacrifices. Under the ultimate sacrifice, and Lord, your, what you did was something that none of us could have done, and that was that you were the only one who could have atoned for the sins of the world. Nevertheless, Lord, many of us will still, in our life, in our flesh and blood, suffer tribulation, we will experience different times of trouble and temptation in our life, but know that we didn't throw away our freedom. And we didn't just die for somebody else's freedom. We used our freedom well. Lord, we lived faithfully to you, Jesus. And so today, Lord, I want to pray that not only to this congregation, but wherever this message finds itself, to whoever may be listening to it today, God, who may be lost in what really is the heart of the gospel, what is the demonstration or what is the meaning of their life and the purpose for which they live? And today, God, I pray that, Lord, that we could embrace the sacrifice of those who've served our nation as just an illustration of what you've called us all to. Let us be faithful, Lord, to step up. Lord, help us today, God, to forget the things that are behind and reach forward to the things that are before us. And help us, Lord, live a new attitude towards you every day we live. Lord, breathe with new inspiration. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're calling us to do. And I pray, Holy Spirit, animate and bring to light the very message and, and thing that you want to inspire today in all of our hearts. And we give you the praise. Amen. And what a privilege. 
What a privilege. I, I want to share this before I go too much further. I want to share how faithful and how wonderful it's been to have many of you, and some of you more than others, minister to our family these last few weeks. And I know that for you guys, we don't try and share with you how difficult things have been at times. We try and bring as good a report as we can. But the truth is that for my wife and I and for our kids, we've had to sail through some difficult times in just separation, her being with her dad in Boise, her family, me being at home, us coming together, us trying to figure out who with what. We have a few vehicles, but we only have one that we want to travel to Boise with, right? And how are we going to get there or what might be the different ways? But when I came back from our trip, one of the things I want to just specifically say, we, we usually take care of, we feel responsible for three lawns. Um, and that is the one at the parsonage, the one at our other house on Depot Street, and here at the church. And the boys carry a lot of that burden. Can we give them a thanks for being faithful there? My boys don't get enough honor. They don't get enough recognition for how good they've been, but they have spared me from a lot of work. <laughs> Thank you, guys. But... Nobody, we didn't ask. I thought when I came back I would deal with overgrown lawns and all of those things. But we didn't have to. That meant that without asking, you guys, many of you stepped in. Um, some of Somebody that's not here today stepped in and took care of our lawns for us, mowed for us. Yeah, different people. Yeah, different people. And uh, nobody that was asked. Thank you. Thank you. And as you do that for one another, thank you for being the body of Christ to each other. I feel like that's the heart of what I'm going to share today. But you need to hear that from my point, I don't take for granted the faithfulness. And aside from that, so many of you have so much to do and yet you do it anyway. That just adds to the gift that you've given to us. I cannot give you enough praise and enough thanks and admiration for making those sacrifices for our family and for one another. So thank you. Let's get into it. You guys ready? Yeah. Amen. So we want to thank our soldiers and the men and women who fought in battle and some of those who have not fought but have served our country in various ways. Thank you for your courage. And some of you feel like maybe you didn't offer much for courage because you didn't face a battle. But the reality is... The fact that you would leave family, home, put yourself in the possibility of danger, and all of those things says there is courage. Courage is there not because we faced a situation, but because we were willing to face it. And we know that you have, and so many of our lives are blessed and inspired by just the thought. And many times your story is important to us because we know that without hearing it, there's so many details that are lost, but as you share the details with us and you feel the courage and the strength to do so, thank you. Thank you for sharing against some of your own sorrows and sufferings, that maybe some that you didn't even want to share, but you've shared with us so that we could get a highlight of what the sacrifice really goes into to protect and secure the freedoms of our nation and our families and our children and our grandchildren. Courage can be defined not as bravery in the absence of fear, but bravery with the presence of fear. 
Joshua, in these verses, we see this, Joshua is not merely led to command, but by example uh, to... I'm sorry, he was, not literally led, uh, he was not merely to lead by command, but by example, and that would take a lot of courage. See, this was, when you read chapter 1, verse 9, the context here is God is commissioning Joshua to take the place of Moses. Moses had died, and now Joshua is the man being commissioned to this. And he's just on the front lines of getting ready to go into what is the promised land, but in unconquered territory to get ready for war. Some of us may have to take some time to glean and understand and take some consideration of what the grasp of that is, but I'm not going to get into that this morning. But this you know is that it would take courage. And something that I noticed here as you read this verse in chapter 1, verse 9, God tells to him, be strong and of good courage. But he also says that he's with him. The Lord your God is with you. And to us, we would think, I just got this idea, that once God gives us the security of longing, latching in and letting us know that He's with us, there's not a mile that you're taking on your own. There's not a war or a tragedy that you're going to face that He's not right there along your side. We would want to think that the moment that God secures that message to us, there's no need for courage. We have all the security we'd ever want. And yet the reality is, is that sometimes when God makes us a promise that what we feel like, even when God has said things and it's ministered to our spirit, when you're face to face with some of those experiences and realities, you still have to have courage to be faithful and bold to, to trust Jesus through it. So let's remember that and think about the courage that it takes. And so many of us have had to face measures and experiences in life that required far more sacrifice. To put your life literally on the line. And not just one or two times. Not only that, but you stood beside people who did put their life on the line. And they died and you lived. And there's many things that we cannot, you couldn't begin to explain what that feels like and what that looks like. But it took courage. And today we'll honor that courage. Today we will speak of that courage. Today we will make sure we admire the courage of those who have made those sacrifices. Big and small, we want to make sure that you get the admiration today. We want to make sure that you feel the weight of what you've done with our pleasure. And I want to say that there's no way that we could, there's no way that we could honestly measure that out to the degree that you deserve and some far more than we realize. So thank you. We thank our servicemen first for holding true to the virtue of putting others first and placing your life underneath our own to preserve and to protect. We know that not everybody that has gone into the services has gone with that mindset, but we are valuing those who have. Those who knew, I may not come home. Those who knew that this would maybe become a great sacrifice, but you did it anyway. And you did it for the love of your country. You did it for the love of your people. You did it for faces and families that you didn't know, and yet you did it anyhow. Talk about courage. Talk about courage. I want to read in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 and 8. Isaac, if you'll turn there. 
Go ahead and turn to your Bibles there. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. It's a wonderful verses here. Praise you, Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I want you to capture that thought. Just hold on to that. Let this same mind be in you as was in Christ. Being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. See, our servicemen and women, whether they realize this or not, have held to us a very physical illustration of what Jesus did. Not only that, but what we see in this is that even with Jesus' sacrifice, even with Jesus on the front lines, it doesn't mean that it won't take us being on the front lines too. Sometimes we have to realize what that cost is and what it could be in order to be on the front lines. But nevertheless, what a great honor. It takes courage to be able to be a Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 8 person. The kind of person who, when he says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ. Don't just take the sacrifice Jesus made you and live life to its best, but live life to its sacrifice. Look at what Jesus did and learn from that. And so here it takes great courage to actually take the Word of God and hold on to it and live it. That's why I think there's such an emphasis on be not hearers of the Word only, but doers of the Word. Because when we get down to it, there's certain verses of the Bible, there's certain huge portions of the Bible that if we're just studying the Word of God, if we're just hearing what it says, it's not going to require much of us. But if we actually have to place this into our life and it becomes a very part of who we are, it's going to take tremendous courage in order to live up to it. And so we're grateful for those who have paved the way for us in so many different ways. We learn from your example that the same sense, or that example that the, same, the sense of personal security falls below the cost it is to preserve liberty for the many. Let me say that one more time. We learn from your example that the sense of personal security falls below the cost it is to preserve the liberty of the many. We're inspired by your courage. We are deeply inspired by your courage. Can I speak to you that are not servicemen and women for our nation, but you're servicemen and women for our Jesus? Can I talk to you today? about how we are inspired by your courage to obey the Word of God. We're inspired for those of you who are obeying the Word of God in difficult family situations. That you are faithful to what God has said, even though you know that it could be easier for you if you just chose to just not do it. But yet you're doing it anyway because you value Jesus and you value your brothers and sisters. And we are inspired by your courage today. You're remarkable for doing that. You know, we could say that it is the strength of Jesus and we would be right. 
but we'd also say there's something about you too. Because why would we say that? Because there's something we see in the world that we live in, and we see so many people with the same opportunity, the same Word of God, but some of them are not obedient to it. Some of them are not living on it. Some of them have decided the comfort of not having somebody's prejudice or persecution or hatred coming back at them is of, of enough of a value that to set aside the Word of God or to set aside obedience to Jesus for the time being, wherever they're at. And so we see people falling short of that. And, and maybe that they missed the mark of what it means that you're going to have to be courageous. And that means that there's going to be sacrifices to be made along with it. But thank you because you decided to take up and stand courageously for Jesus. Stand courageously for the body of Christ. Be courageous for your families. Because it does. In our world we live in, it takes tremendous courage to fight the good fight of faith. It takes tremendous courage not to give in to the devil. It takes tremendous courage to come to church when things are going difficult for you. Believe me, on this side of the ministry, you get to see a lot of stuff happen. And there's a lot of pain in my heart because I know my brothers and sisters are missing the encouragement they need. They're missing the strength that they need to move forward in battle because something's going on amiss in their homes, on their jobs, and other things in their life. And they're just not getting what they need. So I'm seeing the fallen among my brothers and sisters. And I'm praying for them. But I'm also, by the grace of God, being an example of somebody who's going to keep on fighting, not just for me. Hear this. You're not just fighting to be faithful and survive the faith for your own sake. You're fighting for them too. Everyone in this place we're fighting for. But also for people who are not here yet or people who need to be here or can be here or whatever the case is. You know, I'm not going to spend my time or my wheels talking about or bringing about whatever might be somebody else for whatever their reasons are not, good and bad. I'm going to keep praying for you. Can we do that together and keep praying and keep inviting? You know, some of you, listen to me, some of you, all you need to do is make a phone call to somebody. You've been thinking about them. You've been thinking about them for months. You've been thinking about them for weeks. Maybe you've been thinking about them for years. And you're like, and then you ask me or somebody else, how is so-and-so doing? It's time for you to do something a little bit different than ask. You need to make a phone call. You need to do it after service. You need to do it on Monday or Tuesday. But you need to see if you can get into their life somehow. Because they're too important not to. That's right. Okay? It's going to take courage because you might get rejection. But who gives a care? You're under the blood. You're in the cross of Jesus. Your, your riches aren't going to die off because somebody rejected you, so stay firm and be courageous. We want to thank you very much, our veterans, for your sacrifice. Not just your courage, but your sacrifice. Amen. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 25. What a blessing. There's meat in this verse here for us. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, 
Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So I want to again just focus a little bit on the context here. The context is Jesus, just before we get to these verses, Jesus is telling of his passion. Jesus is telling of an event that hasn't happened but's going to, and that is that he's going to go to the cross. And he's going to suffer, and that he's going to be resurrected. Now when Jesus does this, Peter looks at Jesus, and he does what every one of us in this place probably would have wanted to do, the same as Peter did. And Peter rebukes Jesus, and he says, Be it far from you. You know, if we want to say he's got a soldier's heart in a sense, I will take your place. I will not allow that to happen. I will defend you. I will stand in for your defense and prevent that from happening. I'm sure that's built into Peter's thoughts with Jesus. And then Jesus looks at that and he sees the human compassion missing the will of God completely. And Jesus said, Satan, get behind me. Imagine Jesus saying that to you. You're like, I'm just doing the good thing and being compassionate and caring about my Savior. And there's the right place for that, but not here. And so Jesus rebukes Peter. So this is the context we find before Jesus gets into this and says, if you're going to be my disciples, if you desire to come after me, you're going to have to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. And something caught me while I was reading that. Something hit me. It was this. Jesus' death was not a means to securing the best of this life for his disciples. But it was, per, it was to prepare them to find freedom in becoming living sacrifices. And this, I think, our nation has violated the freedoms that our servicemen and women have died for. Because we chose to live and use that freedom and abuse the freedom rather than invest ourselves into the same sacrifices that they made for it. And so when you look at what Jesus was saying to his disciples, it was as like as Jesus had recruited his own army. And he was saying, if you're going to be a part of this army, I'm going to the cross to die for your sin. You're going to the cross to continue to elevate the gospel in humanity. You're going to continue to face devastating circumstances. You're not going to live in luxury. You're going to live to promote the gospel with resistance. But remember what I've done for you. Let that become the inspiration behind it. And I think so many times that what we do is we live to be blessed off of the sacrifice of others rather than mutually share in the sacrifices of others. I want to read you this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Isaac, if you can go there. Who stands firm? Only the one for whom the final standard is not his reason, his principles, his conscience, his freedom, his virtue, but who is ready to sacrifice all of these. When in faith and sole allegiance to God, he is called to obedient and responsible action. The responsible person whose life will be nothing but an answer to God's question 
and call. You've got to understand Dietrich Bonhoeffer was the very man who had, had planned on ending the life of Hitler to keep so many Jews from being massacred. And he almost got there. But he reached out to do that. But he looked back at his fellow brothers and sisters and he was the only one, maybe one of the only few, who was actually making the physical attempt to end such injustice. See, he, he went beyond just hearing the words of Jesus and put his life on the line to do so. And I wonder ourselves if we can take that thought into and see this man Dietrich Bonhoeffer has something to consider when we, list, we read those words. But it's not about who's ready to make the sacrifice, all these, or the faith, but it's the faith and allegiance to God and obedience to Him. See, culture teaches us to be self preserving. But Jesus, in this verse, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 20-25, teaches us to be self-denying. If we're not careful, the whole idea of the Gospel is, Jesus died to save me and to preserve me from having to make those similar sacrifices. Rather than Jesus died to encourage me into living and being a part of His sacrifice. See, Paul says something very powerful. He talks about the fellowship of His sufferings. And I think that that's really powerful because able to promote the Gospel in the world we live, we have to be willing to suffer for Jesus. But what a pleasure it is, but what a sacrifice also. Our families and your families are going to watch you reach out and experience what it means as that song we sang, our friends despise and forsake us. Not just enemies, but friends. People you care about despise and forsake you. And you're going to hold ground. And you're going to keep the real fight. And that is not to become bitter toward those who rejected you, but to become faithful despite that rejection. To keep on elevating what is the real premise for their soul and looking to see them elevated beyond their own prejudice towards you while you keep your heart secure from it and be faithful to them, looking for the day in which they will be delivered from that. But no matter what we do in this, we have to recognize what the real battle is. So culture teaches us to be self-preserving, but Jesus teaches us to be self-denying. Everything we do seems to be invested in this, this, this denial of self. What I could do for myself, I decide to do for you. And so we have this place where probably the only stopping point to that is the point in which now I'm suffering and, you're, and, and now you have to give back to me to bring that back to me. So we realize that there's a point of where we have to balance that differently. But there's a reality check is this. When I value your life as much as I do my own, and when the real test comes and it's needed, would I be the person who would be willing to lay my own life down in order to save or preserve yours. A long time ago, and as I shared this story before, but I think it's very powerful, and it was this, that there was, in a con Jews were being shipped off to a concentration camp, and there was a, a train car full of them. And it was, it was freezing weather and very cold and very miserable conditions. And within this, there was no blankets, there was nobody, nothing to be able to keep them from freezing to death. And so as 
it persisted and the night went on, there was one that saw another old man uh, trembling and uh, in freezing. So he went over to him and he rubbed his arms and rubbed his legs and all of his extremities to keep him warm. And by the end of the night, he noticed that they were the only two alive. Don't take the sacrifice that our men and women have given and not be there to make those very similar sacrifices. Do not take the sacrifice Jesus made and take the grace of God in vain. Become a sacrifice. The whole precedence of the Gospel teaches us not to live high on the sacrifices of others or just to revere them while we live in luxury. But it teaches us to follow the same example. I want you to look in in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Paul says something very powerful here, and it says this, Brethren, join in following my example. And note those who walk as you have us for a pattern. And Paul wasn't shamed to talk about his sufferings. But what I didn't give you in that verse is I didn't give you the background of what he was talking about. And Paul said, just prior to this, join in my example, he talks about the, the loss, all things, he's counted all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. He suffered the loss of all things so that he may win Christ. And now he's saying to you and me, follow me. Follow me. The same man that said we were pressed beyond measure and yet not destroyed. Cast down but not cast down but not destroyed. Bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus might be manifest. And then he says, don't go party on my sacrifice. Don't go pleasure off of my burdens. But follow me. Follow me. Follow me into the trench camps of Jewish parties who are rejecting the cross of Jesus. Follow me in to the temples where they're gonna, after you're done speaking, they're going to stone you half to death. And if they could, they would have killed you, but God miraculously is going to raise you up for another opportunity to preach the gospel. Follow me where I've been beaten three times, um, 40, 40 save one. Follow me in night, in a day in the deep. Follow me in tribulations. Follow me in hungers and thirst. Follow me to prisons more frequent. Follow me. You know, I think it was said of John Wesley that um, I can't remember the mileage that he was on horseback as he would preach two to three times a day. Believed in the gospel, right? But that one at one of these accounts that he woke up froze to the ground and he pulled his arms loose and his legs loose and his hair loose and he got up and he sang the doxology. (laughs) Follow me, right? There's a big difference from that picture to, well, we have service once a week. We go from the comfort and the warmth of our own homes. We go from a very moderate degree of difficulty, if any at all, and follow me, right? It's a whole different picture here. And so what we could do is miss the mark 
of what really means to honor our veterans today and what we could do with our freedom instead of taking it for granted we, or using it for self-centered principles is that we could actually honor that freedom by serving humanity, by giving ourselves to our neighbors and being what you've already done and continue to do so. See, if anything stands out to me today, one of the things that really is, is what could I have done? When we stand before Jesus, really, probably the biggest question on all of our minds is, what more could I have done? If I had known that it was going to be like this, what more could I have done? To our veterans, we may not share in the same sacrifices as you have, but we intend to live out the principles revered in those sacrifices as we live our everyday lives. Let's do it the way we, we are run our homes. Let's do it in the way we love our spouses. Let's do it in the way that we come to church. Let's do it in the way that we find a new opportunity to minister to our neighbors. I just want to say it's been a beautiful, wonderful experience from our old neighborhood to this neighborhood. And uh, we have some neighbors on all sides. And my wife has been so remarkable in the gifts that she gives during the season holidays. And she made zucchini bread. No, she did more than that. She went into the garden and she cultivated the dirt and pulled the weeds and fought with the kids in order to make sure that we were able to just get the weeds out of the garden. And then somehow I was right behind her in that battle and I put some sacrifice with her, but not like she did. And, uh, and I found a way to make sure the sprinkler system would water it. And the best plant we grew all season long was that zucchini plant. And we had some monsters. And she shaved them up, and we still got some leftover shavings from those monsters. But she made zucchini bread for all of our neighbors. And she went in and delivered it, and we as a family did. And just little tokens to those around us. But we've had a special bond with one of our neighbors where he would blow the snow off of our sidewalk, and I'd come in and shovel off his sidewalk. And when he was struggling... Health-wise, we just stepped in and did what he couldn't do. And the other day, when I came home, I thought somebody else had mowed my lawn. I thought it was one of you guys. But then the thought occurred to me, I wonder if it was him. And I asked him when I was walking by, and I saw him, I said, did you mow my lawn for me? And he said, I did. Wow. So you got to understand something. It's not the fact that he mowed my lawn. It's the fact that I know that he's been struggling with his health and he's had so much appreciation to our family for being there for them when they needed it, that it was worth it to him. And I don't know that he's a believer. And all the more to you, my friends, my church, all the more to us. Talk about melting my heart. Talk about a gift of love. And if our neighbors, oh my goodness, if our neighbors that don't know Jesus yet, right, get to be a, a part of that expression and experience. Man, I'm ready to make a bigger sacrifice. I'm ready to do a little bit more for them, right?
So, the receive, but also give. I want to share something with you here. In I, The last thought is, I want to honor you for your love. I want to honor you for your love. In John chapter 3, verse 18, he says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Well, what's this deed and in truth? What was he talking about here? Well, go back to verse 16. And he tells us, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for his brother. And the way he expresses this is, you see your brother in need, give it to him. That's it. You have an abundance and ability to do it. Lay down your life and give to him or her. Now, here's something powerful. The very essence and nature of love as God designed it is not based on pleasure or feeling, even though we get a lot of pleasure and feeling out of it. It is found in the mutual giving up of our lives for one another. And I want to elevate this in just a few verses, but I'm not going to go back, write them down, but make sure to go back and look them up. And this is just a few of them. Romans 1.12, and Paul talks about mutual faith. 1 Corinthians 12.25, having the same care for one another. And 1 Peter verse 4 and 8, have fervent love. Oh, man, I love that. Have fervent love for one another. Stir up fervent love for one another. And what I catch in all throughout the Bible was not this, you sacrifice for me and I live the luxury off that sacrifice, but we sacrifice for one another. We, we receive it, but we also give it back and forth. That's the picture of biblical love. That's the picture of biblical service to Jesus. One more quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If our Christianity has ceased to be serious about discipleship, if we have watered down the gospel into emotional uplift, which makes no costly demands, and which fails to distinguish between natural and Christian existence, then we cannot help regarding the cross as an ordinary, everyday calamity. As one of the trials and tribulations of life, we have then forgotten that the cross means rejection, shame, as well as suffering. Now, who could better have said that than Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Though not all men and women in our military have honored or lived up to this ideal, it is certain that many do. And to you, we express our highest admiration. As we look to embrace the teachings of Christ, let us consider the example of our servicemen and women. So here's a few things I just want to encourage you with. Look to that example and consider that they fought. But what did they fight for? Well, what do we fight for? What are we fighting for? Number one, don't abandon one another in the fight. Fight for one another. Fight for one another. I could begin to tell you and go into a lot of what it feels like sometimes to feel rejected. It feels like you left me. It feels like when I make phone calls, you don't have any. I could tell you all of that. And I could tell you one of the things you got to stop embracing is the feeling that you've been rejected and keep moving forward. Fight for them and keep trying to come together. Don't let excess become the means for personal happiness. Imagine a soldier in arms You know, here he has a banquet for himself and watching everybody else that fights with him go and starve to death so that he can have what he he has as success. 
but we share together, we die together. But use it to help each other. Confront every fear. Just hear me on this. Confront every fear you have of not having enough when it stops you from being charitable to others. We're like, if I take of this, this, then I won't have enough for myself. Confront that fear. Confront that fear when it stops you from being charitable, especially your brothers and sisters in Christ. There's lots of times when I've found people with less money, less resources, less ability, we're the most charitable people on the face of the earth. And it's interesting to watch God find a way to, to continue to, to preserve all of that. Because it's just about charity and loving one another in that sense. Don't follow the self-serving nature of our culture that insists on personal comfort over sacrificial love. That's our culture. Don't look at having little to give as an exemption from giving at all. I'm going to say that one more time. Do not look at having little to give as an exemption from giving at all. Give what little you have. Trust God to do whatever He wants with it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to see the gifts. You know what you don't see in... You don't see it on TV. You don't see it in our... Oh, what do you call it? Our, our TV preachers. What you don't see is them elevating the gift of the widow woman. This guy gave a million dollars. So more, you get more of a spiritual blessing. You know what we missed... Altogether, it wasn't the amount you gave. It was the sacrifice in what you gave. And it may not have been money at all. And some of you, it's like, I'm not giving money, but you are giving of your time. You're giving of your heart. You're giving anywhere you can to be faithful to Jesus. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you. Don't look at having little as an exemption from giving it all. Receive, receive liberally and freely and give generously to you. of yourself, not just money, of yourself. It's what enables the church to mature. Why are we doing this? Because it matures us. It deeply matures us. It wasn't too long ago I called the brother and I said, hey, I might need you to help me get in a room that we had locked. And he didn't make any fuss about it. He was ready to get on the road and move over to our house and help me get it done. And I ended up finding a way to break in lawfully into my own house <laughs> before he got there. Before he got there. But just knowing that he was ready at a moment's notice was pretty precious. Remember the heroism. I want, I want to end with this. I want you to hear me. Remember that heroism is found in everything done for another person that you could have kept for yourself. Heroism is found in everything done that you could have done for another person that you could have kept back for yourself. It's just the degree of heroism, sometimes the height of it, but thank you for being heroic and faithful to the body of Christ. I want to encourage you to go whatever step Jesus is leading you to and encourage one another because we've got a lot of brothers and sisters that we want to join us. They're missing out on some of the things God's given to us. Let's keep encouraging them.
I want to end with this one thought is I want to encourage you today to spend some time before the Lord in praying for somebody. Somebody who needs it. Somebody who's not fallen in battle but is about to fall in battle and they need to be lifted up. And I want you to pray and intercede for somebody this morning. I want you to think about them. And some of you, if you're going through your own struggles, I want you to remember one consistent thing. Just as I said last, last not this last Sunday, but the Sunday before, that Jesus promised he'd never forsake you. He's right here with you. Amen. So let's do that right now. I'm going to pray, but I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. They're going to lead us in song, but we're going to give you an opportunity to just give Jesus, give that person to Jesus right now. Father, thank you for your mercy to us. Truly, Lord, I'm grateful for I'm grateful for the the blessing, the real treasure of what nothing is. Having nothing and yet possessing all things seems to be the message of your word. Lord, the richest people on, on the face of this earth give, not from abundance, but they give from little and sacrifice. Lord, thank you that we are not living to live for luxury, but we're living for the luxury of the kingdom of God. Lord, we're living on your shirt tails and your um, and what you've done. So Jesus, today I want to pray. Would you lead us just one step further into that glory? Help us to pray. Lord, bring those precious people to our minds. And Father, satisfy our longing by bringing us closer to your cross. And Lord, and I pray for my fellow brothers and sisters today wherever they need to step in obedience beyond just prayer, but, Lord, in physical action, that they would do so with the charm and the love, Lord, that you said, well done, thou good and faithful servant, even before we've acted. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Let's worship him. Let's worship him.